glad you tuned in to Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. Today on the program, I'm going to be speaking with Assistant Professor Elizabeth Finden Burns about human extinction. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. So could you give us a little bit of background information about yourself? Sure. Um, I did my undergraduate degree in political studies in Canada. And then I moved to the UK to do a master's degree at the London School of Economics. But I decided I was done with academia for a while, um, you know, was flailing a little bit, didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went back to Canada to work for the government as a policy advisor. But I found myself frustrated there with the way that the civil service works um, and decided that I was ready to go back into academia. So I went to Oxford to do my DPhil in political theory. And after that, I had the opportunity to teach at universities in the UK and Sweden. And I'm now an assistant professor of political theory at Western University in Canada. But I'm also affiliated with the Institute for Future Studies in Stockholm, working on a very cool climate ethics project there. And uh, I'm interested in all sorts of philosophical issues that arise um, with respect to future generations. Um, and for our purposes today, whether it would be wrong for there to be no future generations, so i.e. for human extinction to happen. What was it that inspired you to study human extinction? Um, so when I was writing my DPhil, my, my PhD on intergenerational ethics, uh, at Oxford, I noticed that a lot of the time philosophers feel that if a theory allows human extinction, then this disqualifies it from being an acceptable theory of intergenerational justice. So if it, if it says, uh, you know, human extinction is permissible, then people say, well, this, this ethical theory must be wrong. Um, so what prompted me to think about it was I wanted to make sure that the theory I was developing didn't permit human extinction for that same reason. But as I was working on it and talking about it with my supervisor, I came to the surprising view that actually I don't think human extinction is necessarily wrong in itself. Um, and even more surprisingly, I noticed that there really wasn't a lot of work on the ethics of human extinction at the time. And even now there isn't, there still isn't very much, despite the fact that so many people or philosophers in particular, felt that it was important enough that allowing it would disqualify theories of justice or ethical theories. And at Oxford and Cambridge, there's uh, the Future of Humanity Institute and the Center for the Study of Existential Risk. But even there, most of the work being done is on how to avoid human extinction. And they just assume that it's wrong. But I wondered at the time, and I still do wonder, why should we assume that it's wrong? And I don't, I don't think that we should. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. I mean, you're right. I suppose most people really don't even think about it because they just think, well, everybody, every human would agree that, um, that it is wrong. So, yeah, no, that's really interesting. That's definitely my experience teaching on the topic um, with undergraduates or even graduate students. Um, even when confronted with some of the arguments or questioning, well, hang on, why is that wrong? Why is that wrong? So on and so forth. They still just fall back to this really strong intuition. And I don't blame them because I had it and I still it's still lingering in there a little bit. 
that, oh, well, it just, it would just be bad. <laughs> it would be really bad if humans never existed anymore. What are some of the methods of population control? So um, we need to remember that control doesn't necessarily mean limit, right? So you can control something by either increasing it or decreasing it. And lots of countries actually have policies that encourage population growth. So things like child benefits or tax breaks for parents, free childcare, that's something that um, the Canadian government has been promising to bring in for years and it already exists in lots of Scandinavian countries. Um, free fertility treatments, either for um, gay and lesbian couples or um, couples who just can't have children for other reasons. And these may all encourage people to have either children they wouldn't have had or just more children than they would have had without these sort of policies or supports. But I think what your question is probably getting at and what most people worry about are methods with the opposite effect that are trying to reduce population growth. Um, and there are more or less coercive methods that, um, that we can use. Some innocuous methods could be governments just disincentivizing having more children than they want you to. So for example, in the UK, the government limited the number of children that you can claim child benefit for to two. Um, <clears throat> or we might provide birth control free of charge, education campaigns or ads encouraging people to use it, ensuring that abortion is legal and freely available and that sort of thing. But that policy won't necessarily reduce people's desire to have children, but it would likely reduce the number of unplanned births that result from accidental pregnancies. But again, more coercive methods exist, and these are the ones that most people um, are anxious about or worry about, like China's former one-child policy. Couples are only permitted to have one child in an attempt to slow population growth, but that seriously limits people's reproductive freedom, and lots of people think that that, that would be wrong. And then on the far end of the spectrum would be things like forced sterilizations, forced abortions, or even murder, if you really wanted to go extreme, because of course you can reduce population at either end by either preventing more people from being born or killing those people who are already alive. Can these methods be empirically or morally justified? Um, I can't really answer about the empirical question. That's one for the social scientists or demographers to say whether these I mean, obviously killing people would reduce population and things, but in terms of the nudging um, methods that I mentioned earlier, um, I don't know whether they're effective or not. They probably are to a certain extent, but in terms of the ethics of it, um, I think there's lots of reasons why the last set of methods, the really coercive ones aren't justified. Um, even if we believed very strongly that the world is overpopulated, most theories would likely support the idea of bodily autonomy, that people shouldn't be forced to undergo medical procedures like sterilizations or abortions. Um, even those who think all procreation is wrong, like David Benatar, for example, would argue, I assume, in favor of disincentivizing it rather than forcing it. But there's lots less agreement about nudging policies so governments try to nudge us to do the right things for the collective all the time, like eating well, 
exercising, quitting smoking, drinking less. Um, and they do that through taxation and other kind of non-coercive means. But one problem with policies like cutting off child benefits after a certain number of children or other policies that disincentivize having children is that they harm the children who are born anyway. And those children are blameless because their parents have fewer, fewer resources to devote to them. So they end up suffering due to something completely outside of their control, which is their parents having children despite the disincentives and the government's choice to impose those disincentives. So um, I don't have an answer whether they're justified or not, but these are just some considerations to, uh, to think about. Um, I think I would probably lean towards um, them being permitted, but with lots of exceptions um, to make sure that the children themselves aren't the ones who are suffering. Could you explain about the four reasons why we might consider human extinction to be wrong? Yes, sure. Um, so the first reason that we think it might be wrong is sort of what I alluded to before when I was talking about the undergraduates and their intuitions. And that's a lot of people just think it would be a shame if future people don't get a chance to exist. So we, we often think, well, I'm glad I exist. So wouldn't I be sad if I never got to exist? Um, and so by extension, it would be bad for future people if they never get that opportunity. Um, and Peter Singer put it um, once, and I'm paraphrasing, that the worst part about human extinction is that there would be no future people to get to enjoy life. And I think this is a very powerful intuition that most people probably share. Not everybody, but probably most people. Um, the second reason that people often think extinction could be bad is because of all of humanity's accomplishments. And they think that, you know, we've, we've civilized the world, we've um, built amazing buildings, um, painted wonderful paintings, and all of these accomplishments would have been totally pointless if human extinction happens. So what good is the Sphinx if no one's around to admire it, for example? Uh, the value of all the great literature and thinkers, which is vanish, so the thought goes, if no one's around to value it. Um, they also think that um, there would be no intelligent life, and many people think that the lack of intelligent beings would be a huge loss uh, to the world. I mean, we don't know about the existence of aliens on other countries, but as far as we are aware, humans are the only intelligent species, and so losing it would be would be a loss for that reason. But the third reason <clears throat> is that if we knew human extinction was coming, we'd likely feel a lot of pain, like psychological pain and sadness. So our lives would lose meaning. Why would we bother to try to cure cancer if we know humanity is ending in 20 years? What would be the point in writing a book that nobody will be around to read? And so on and so forth. So Samuel Scheffler thinks that the knowledge that human extinction is coming would be absolutely devastating to our personal projects and goals and basically render everything that we do meaningless. And it would just be this sort of existential dread and just um, feeling of hopelessness that everybody would share and that that would be really bad for us. And the last reason I think human extinction could be wrong or bad is that 
it's pretty obvious that it would cause a lot of people a lot of physical pain. So if you think about the ways that it could happen, you know, an asteroid could hit the earth. Lots of people would be hit by it and suffer the pain of being hit by an asteroid. And everyone else would probably die slowly due to the environmental aspect. Or if humans suddenly became infertile, just out of nowhere, an extinction happened slowly because um, people started aging, but there were no new people. Um, think about what it would be like to be that last group of people. So there would be no farmers or there'd be very few people around to grow food, to be doctors, nurses, to care for the people in their last days and so on. So I think the last generation of people would clearly suffer massively physical pain um, in addition to the psychological pain that Scheffler was talking about. Um, and, but in my view, only those last two reasons are important reasons to try to avoid human extinction. So um, my personal view is something called person affecting morality, which means that I think something can only be wrong if it negatively affects somebody. So to me, the fact that human extinction will mean that some future people don't exist isn't necessarily a problem because they aren't people yet. So I don't think that it can be wrong to prevent people from existing. Um, there's nobody harmed by not being brought into existence because they don't exist. So they, there's nobody there to harm them. Is I think if it is wrong to fail to bring people into existence, then most of us are doing wrong all of the time. I certainly am right now by sitting here talking to you instead of trying to create as many future people as I can. Um, I'm not going to get into <laughs> how that happened, but you know, we're none of us have as many children as we possibly could, which means we would all be acting wrongly. And that's possible that we are acting wrongly. I just don't think that it's right. I also don't think that the loss of intelligent life and civilization is a problem per se. Um, if there's no humans around, then it's true that there's no one to appreciate the intelligence or civilization that we developed, but there's also no one to be harmed by their absence. So, I mean, if, if there's no intelligent life, there's no intel and only intelligent life can appreciate intelligent life, then nobody is harmed by the lack of intelligent life. But I do think that the last two reasons matter. So the psychological pain and the physical pain. So if a government involuntarily sterilized everybody, for example, which caused humans to gradually go extinct, and that would hurt us psychologically, and physically, then I think that would be wrong um, because it caused us that psychological and physical pain without our consent. Um, and the same would be true if somebody decided to just poison the entire species and we all died suddenly. But I do think that if all humans unanimously decided, you know, miraculously, that you know what, humans are kind of a blight on the world, we just don't want to do this anymore and we decided to all take a pill, a painless pill and just all die voluntarily. Um, and I don't think that there would be anything wrong with that. Um, you know, it would be voluntary, it would be painless, even if it weren't painless, if it's voluntary, I think that's still fine. Um, so I think that it means that human extinction is wrong when it causes involuntary pain or suffering, physical or otherwise. But I don't think extinction itself is wrong. Just 
what matters is the way that it could and would likely come about. So just to clarify, because some people have read my paper and misinterpreted my conclusion, I'm not saying that extinction is a good thing or would be a good thing. I'm not saying we should all go and take that painless suicide pill. I'm just saying that if we wanted to, that there wouldn't be anything necessarily wrong with that. Um, and that it shouldn't be, ideally, it shouldn't be imposed on us involuntarily. Obviously, there's some things we can't control, like asteroids hitting the Earth. Um, but what matters is how extinction would come about. And because in all likelihood, extinction could only come about through these painless, or the, through these painful or involuntary methods, in general, human extinction would be wrong, but it need not be because there are other ways that it could happen. So it's not wrong in itself. Mm. Could you explain about the quote, children as public goods? Yeah, so public goods are those things that are provided to everybody, regardless of whether a person actually participates in generating them, and you can't opt out. So for example, <clears throat> national defense. So the government has an army, and even if you're a pacifist or you're not a taxpayer, you know, you haven't done anything to um, support the army financially or otherwise, but you can't opt out of being protected by the national defense system because they're protecting the whole country, not the, they can't say, um, well, we're gonna defend Australia against New Zealand, those New Zealanders, but not, not you, Beth, because you don't like the army, it's not possible. So some philosophers think children are public goods because our social welfare systems depend on one generation working to provide for the retired generation. So today's children are tomorrow's workers. So people who don't have children will eventually retire, all things being well, but they'll still be supported by the tax revenues paid by other people's children who are now workers. But those people, those retired people who didn't have children haven't borne any of the costs of raising children. So they haven't helped create that next generation of workers. They haven't helped pay for them, but they're still gonna benefit from the existence of that generation of workers. So they'll be treated by other people's children who've become doctors, cared for by other people's children who are nurses and so on and so forth. So the argument that children are public goods is usually made in response to those who object to the state subsidizing child rearing, so free childcare and tax benefits and things. And those people often say things like, if you can't afford them, don't have them, why should I pay for your choices, so on. Um, and so this idea of children as public goods is meant in response to that saying, well, yes, it's true that these people did choose to have children, but at the same time, you're gonna benefit from it. So it's fair that you at least pay in um, at least a small amount of money to contribute to that public good. Mm, yeah, that, that's a really good point. The world population this year is 7.9 billion. Is, is there any chance that humans could be extinct? Um, so I'm not a scientist, obviously, um, but most scientists seem to agree that every species will eventually go extinct, including our own. Um, whether it happens sooner or later and the ways that it happens are possibly under control, um, under our control, sorry. Um, 
not necessarily, but they could be. So as far as I know, most of the scientific efforts aren't actually focused on trying to avoid human extinction um, because most people think that it's inevitable eventually, um, but they are putting a lot of work and energy into preventing it happening for as long as possible. So again, those, um, those centers that I discussed at Oxford and Cambridge, um, you know, the study, Center for the Study of Existential Risk, they're trying to uh, find ways of preventing the risk of human extinction rather than um, sort of extinguishing it. Uh, sorry for using the word extinguish again. Um, so yeah, they want to prolong it. They want to prolong human history rather than trying to prevent it from going extinct. But I think some other interesting things that they're doing, not just at those centers, but um, in the field of existential risk is um, they're working on whether it would count as human extinction if we were replaced by artificial intelligence, for example. So imagine that we could download our minds human minds into robots, let's say, um, whether, whether humans would really be considered to be extinct in that case. Because if what's important about humanity is our intelligence and our experiences and our cultures and so on, we could still potentially continue all of those things, just not in the body of a homo sapien. It would be in a robot, for example. So in those cases, we, as humans, our minds are the same, but they're just in different sort of receptacles, let's say. But then again, the other alternative is we're not downloading our minds, for example, we're just creating intelligent robots who can do all the same things as humans, have the same experiences, um, are intelligent, you know, can think and feel and all of that, um, but they wouldn't be humans in any way. But if you're somebody who's convinced by the argument that what matters about human extinction is the loss of intelligent life, then replacing us by artificial intelligence would not be to lose intelligent life. Um, similarly, if we did find another, say, species of aliens who are intelligent somewhere out there in the galaxy, uh, then maybe we wouldn't have any reason to worry about humans going extinct per se, because we know that there is human, sorry, we know that there is intelligent life out there somewhere and they could continue our projects, appreciate our culture um, and so on and so forth. Um, and then there's all these people who are interested in cryogenically preserving humanity in the, uh, in the event that some disaster did happen, then we, we would have at least a few lucky souls who were who could be unfrozen. I'm not sure how the how the actual science works, but I know that some people are doing this. And uh, one of the reasons that some people do it, not necessarily just for themselves, but for humanity in general, is that if there were a disaster, and the, you know, cryogenically um, preserved bodies could be defrosted, um, then that would continue humanity. So, um, potentially humans would go extinct, but then they would come back. So it'd be possible to uh, bring human humanity back again. So, it, you know, it's a hard question. Is there any chance humans could go extinct? It, a, lot of, a lot of that depends on what you think humanity is, what you think it means to go extinct. Um, 
but it is likely that the species Homo sapien will go extinct at some point. Um, but whether that counts as human extinction, whether that's enough to say humanity has gone extinct is a whole different philosophical question. Yeah, that's really interesting that you you said that, you know, species can go extinct and then be brought back because uh, I imagine that if, if humans did go extinct and then there was another intelligent life form, it's a bit like, you know, scientists are talking about how with dinosaur DNA from bones, you know, there's a possibility that they could bring dinosaurs back to life. So, yeah, we, we could actually be brought back to life at some stage in the future. Yeah, that's true. And um, some people are working on this. Um, I read a paper a few months ago um, where the author had sort of broken down all sorts of different kinds of extinction that I never even knew existed. And, and one of them is this idea that, you know, a, extinction just means that there are no living examples of that species on earth. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's no potential for living examples of that species to ever exist on earth. So if we, like you said, with the dinosaurs, if we manage to extract DNA from their fossils, for example, perhaps we could somehow genetically create another dinosaur, in which case, did dinosaurs go extinct? Are they extinct now? You know, these are all sort of semantic questions, but they matter when it comes to saying whether humanity could and has gone extinct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, it's a really fascinating concept. So. Thanks very much for coming onto the program today. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. And I've been speaking with Assistant Professor Elizabeth Finzen Burns about human extinction. Hope you've enjoyed the program. I've certainly enjoyed your company. And do stay tuned for Swing and Sway.